0: Hello and welcome to Season Review 2019-20 season, which seems a, w- a long time ago when it started and a long time ago when we had our last game. Um, but first of all, just welcome to the podcast. Um, hi Glenn. how are you doing?
1: I'm okay. It's good to finally be wrapping this season up, Ollie, after uh, quite a long wait, I suppose, to find out what's going on. Um, as, as we've all been discussing offline this calls, some things uh, not quite so easy to remember about this season, some things do stand out. So yeah, it would be interesting to see what kind of memories we can dredge up and uh, yeah, maybe, maybe have a good thought
0: about where we ended this season. Brilliant, so um, welcome on the podcast as well, uh, Mike Price. Hi Mike, how are you doing? Alright Ollie. yeah I'm okay. Not
2: too bad like Glynn says. Desperately trying to remember anything that happened in the previous uh, bit of football. So yeah, we'll see how we get on.
0: And Mark Elliott's joining us. How are you doing Mark? Oh, I'm alright, yeah. Great to um,
3: have a bit of football on and a bit of football to talk about even if it does feel like it's the 86-87 season.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be taking the listeners back to um, what seems like another world now um so yeah so we'll do what we normally do and we'll go we'll, we've broken the season up into various segments and we'll go through those segments um draw out the kind of the, the big highs the lows um and then when we finish i think maybe we'll have a, a thought of what the season kind of looks like what's going to be our memories of the season um and let's have a little bit of a look um to next season um and maybe what we'd like to see um from sam ricketts and his team going forward um maybe a bit of entertainment might be a theme that comes across yeah, I think we're all looking forward to a bit more entertainment than the, the first, I
1: suppose it's like only season a little bit with Ricketts, isn't it really? Half a season when he first started, and obviously last season, um, not a full season either, so yeah, not a long time into the job, but not that many games, I suppose, in terms of what he might normally be expecting, so yeah, be good, be good to get into um, what to expect, I suppose, Ollie. but I think we should start at the start, shouldn't we, and, and roll yeah. ourselves right back to, uh, I suppose, pre-season, Ollie. so yeah, what was your first thoughts on pre-season, I suppose, before I asked the other guys?
0: Yeah, so um, summer recruitment um, was quite busy. We saw quite a lot of names um, come in. Um, so we had Keybanks um, Landor came in in defence. We signed Daniel Doe from Telford. Steve Morrison, remember that name? Uh, Aaron Pierre. <laughs> Ryan Giles came in, in on loan from Wolves. Um, Joe Murphy came in. Max O'Leary came in. Um, and Donald Love came in, and then the last kind of summer signing was Luke McCormick. Um, but it's also worth noting uh, that Ollie Norburn um, signed a new contract, which was, which was mm. at the time was a big, a big move. So out of those um, players, Glenn, which one kind of got you the most excited and which one were you most looking forward to seeing?
1: I think for me, looking back on it now, and obviously we've had the season and seen how they played, but the Aaron Pierre signing seemed sensible at the time. You know, a player of the season at Northampton who had a fantastic season and you expected could hopefully come and continue that form um, as you were us, He was the name that stood out to me the most personally in terms of a player I thought would slot in straight away. But I'm, I'm sure that, you know, Mark, you probably have looked at that list and maybe, maybe rather than picking out one of one of the players, which you can do, I suppose. But in, in general,
3: what did you make of the overall recruitment in the summer? I'm pretty solid, I think. Uh, without sort of being an after-timer, I think that the attacking additions were a little bit more of a worry than the defensive additions. I think you looked at the the players they brought in, sort of goalkeeper, back five, and couldn't really argue with any of them. Um, loved the Giles signing. Um, I know it sort of didn't quite pan out as we would have hoped, but at the time, mm. thought it was a great one. Um, so yeah, it was it was one of those where I think you you felt at the time, and as it turned out, I think, most of us were probably right. It's pretty solid. But the concern was where, where are enough goals, enough creativity going to come from? And Mike, I suppose that the Steve Morrison sign coming off the back of what Mark just said
1: there was, was Steve Morrison. Uh, and, and was he going to be the man that could probably deliver us a few more goals than, than we thought we would had the season before with Ricketts? And I don't know your initial thoughts on Morrison. Do you think he was going to be the man to come and do that before we in play?
2: Yeah, I suppose it goes back to the previous question of which signings really excited about. Well, he was the only mm. one I'd ever heard of because my wider <laughs> football knowledge isn't great, frankly. Um, but because you've heard of him and you play at a higher level, you're hoping that he could be the sort of the, the catalyst or the pivot that we can mm. build a, a youthful, sprightly attack around. Um, so, yeah, it kind of got me excited. And, and I think I remember back during pre-season, he looked like, looked like he was going to run around a bit and be handy. So he got me quite excited. Yeah, but if you look at that list, actually, when you look at it as a recruitment list, You've got Landell, Udo, Pierre, Giles, O'Leary, and Love. You could call them all successes, and that's five five pluses and three minuses. You can obviously pick a player, Sam Ricketts. I think. I think when you look at that, um, possibly questioning marks about getting the best out of them is maybe where you're at with him.
1: Yeah, I think I think I agree with both of what you just said there in terms of the overall recruitment. Where well, what, regardless of what actually happened in the season, it went on, it looked like there was a good bunch of players there, and a lot of them have had good seasons, I suppose, Ollie. So um, yeah, we obviously went to some of the first games, didn't we, Ollie? We went to that first preseason game at Ludlow. Didn't we went there, yeah, we County did. And had our first look at the players, and, and so yeah, run us through preseason, really.
0: Yeah, so we were fortunate to have that meeting, weren't we, with Sam Ricketts, where he explained that we were going to be playing three at the back or five at the back, how do you want to describe it? Um, and then, yeah, we got to see the team um, for the first time at a very sunny afternoon, evening um, at Ludlow, uh, where Shrewsbury Town lost 1-0 to Newport County. And I don't want to be too harsh on the lad, but for me, the overriding memory <laughs> was Brad Walker and how, yeah. bless his cotton socks, he didn't really look like he was ready for League One football. Um, mm. Other than that, yeah, we lost at home to Aston Villa and there's a 2 or draw with Cheltenham Town um, and then we, yeah, there was the 2-1 victory over Dundee. Um, out of those pre-season games, Mark, which which games kind of draw your attention? Did you learn much from, from pre-season? I don't think I really learned too much. I oh, don't you ever really learn too much from pre-season. I think
3: their training exercises, I don't tend to pay too much attention. Um, one of the signings I, I missed out, by the way, who I was quite excited mm. by was um, Louis Thompson. Um, that was last summer, wasn't it? it was so long <laughs> God, ago. This is this is the season against so it. Yeah, we might. Yeah, have he was. On the list, actually. Yeah, he, he was on the list, that was yeah. last summer. Yeah. So yeah, uh, no, it wasn't. Louis Thompson came in on yeah, it came in on the 16th of August, didn't he? So yeah, it was last yeah. summer. You're right. So again, because one of the other things I was going to say was that the, the squad looked quite old on mm-hmm. paper as well after after all of that had been done. And I think pre-season, you mentioned players looking good. I think you always worry about. A sort of an aging squad when you when you start to get a bit of wear and tear on it and, and the season gets going. So I was slightly concerned about the age and then you know the, the, the one or two loan signings that are pointed out there are bringing a bit of youth and a bit of energy to it. Um, perhaps didn't pan out as well as as might have been expected. But yeah, back to the pre-season point. I think you can you can sort of. Look at mobility and and you can see whether particularly veteran players or or young players can mix it physically, but I don't really think you can glean an awful lot about the quality Mm. of the team at that stage because so many subs, they're playing at kind of 75% tempo and yeah, it's all a, a bit like an open training session for me.
1: I know you don't go to too many preseason games, do you? You like the real thing, but you might have come to one of the games with me. But what did you make three,
3: I went to three of those this season. Oh, you did this season? Yeah, I yeah.
2: went to all the home games, yeah. And my <laughs> vibrant memory of preseason was Luke McCormick looked like a world beater. He was brilliant mm-hmm. in all the games mm-hmm. he played. Um, Morrison looked really active and handy. Uh, both of those things proved to not be true. So, like Mark said, you can't <laughs> tell a lot from preseason because the team memories I've got of it were, were proved completely wrong,
1: yeah. Yeah, and, and Ollie, obviously we went we went through those games. You know, not not the best results. Obviously we got one win in there, but three sort of up two losses and a, and a draw. So not great. And I, and I kind of feel like that form that wasn't you know particularly stellar did take itself into that early period of the season. Um, obviously August and early September, which is obviously what we're looking at as part two, in Ollie. So, yeah, just run us through what, what games we're covering in this really, and and, and what you know how that early period went, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I think that was probably the overriding concern that Town fans had at this point was lack of goals. Um, also, we had quite a few injuries at this point as well. Um, mm. So our midfield was very depleted. Um, but yeah, part, one, uh, part two, we've, we've described it here, and i have give it the kind of the tagline of toothless salop um, because, yeah, we played at home um, to Portsmouth, which obviously was a great result, where we won 1-0. Um, but we, we scored four goals uh, in the league um, in two games, but we had four blanks. Um, so we played MK Don's <laughs> away, and, and yeah, we lost 1-0. Um, then in the league, we also played at home and drew to Rochdale 0-0. Away to Ackington Stanley, we won 3-2, which was a, a memorable game. Um, mm. Burton at home we drew, and then we had that um, trip to Ipswich, which could have been more than three. Um, it wasn't. Uh, we had obviously that high with Portsmouth, um, but I think we, we kind of came back down with a bump quite quickly, uh, seeing how attritional town were.
1: I think that's, that's fair, Ollie. I think that opening win really kind of made people think, oh my God, we, we could be on something here. But it's always so early in the season that it is a bit meaningless in, in where we are ending up. But yeah, obviously some, some pretty poor results in there. Um, and, and obviously the, you, you mentioned the league games, but we've got the cup games where we played rather on the lost screen than in an embarrassing fashion. So I, I don't know, I'll start with you, Mike, your, your impressions of that, that early August to sort of September, early September period really and, and where the town looked like they might have been heading through those games and, and what stands out, I suppose. Uh, it, it set the tone for the season for me. It, it, it was really
2: difficult to watch how how we lacked so much creativity. It's difficult to 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 get excited about a team that doesn't score any goals. Um, I remember coming away from the first game of the season thinking we were we were well organised, we were hard to beat, and we sort of won that game on the back of an absolute worldie. And then and then after that, every time we turned up, we, you know, again we, we were we well apart from which we were hard to score against, or you know, we seemed organised. But we just we just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net, we couldn't create clear cut chances and, and and as that goes on it just gets frustrating and and that, that like I say it set the tone for the season. I think it didn't really ever lift up off that for, for me personally. And if you look at that, you know, we scored we only scored in three games that went that, in that eight game period and four goals, you know, what was it, four or five goals in that kind, it's of mm. it's not good enough, mm. is it?
0: No. no. And our top no. goal scorer was OG. Yeah, Incredible. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, we need to sign him up for next season. He, could do, he might be able to do a job for us going forward. But yeah, Mark, I mean, it's, it's difficult for us to talk about which specific games you go to because I know you're on radio shops. You swap the Knicks out, or don't you? So you mm. see some games and you see for the next week. But I don't
3: know which, which of those games did you make and, and maybe stood out to you? Oh, I think you knew exactly what you were going to get from town when they played Portsmouth. I think mm. it was cards on the table there. And, you know, you, you mentioned Sam Rickett speaking before the season started. And I think that the plan was pretty clear. Um, the the sort of structure of the team that he wanted to use and why he wanted to to play in the way that he did. And it became clear that he was going to get a lot of men behind the ball and try and be really hard to beat. And there were a lot of sort of pre-training ground coached moves that were designed to, to get the team up the pitch. They were an, an intensely coached team, but I think it became clear pretty early on that they weren't getting enough players forward often enough to really threaten teams mm. and it it became obvious I think quite quickly where they would need to improve and I don't know they they, they threatened a few times earlier in the season to sort of get themselves up the table and, and it never quite happened and I think really yeah. early on the limitations of that system became apparent it was good enough to get you a third of the way up the league but they just needed a bit more.
0: Ipswich for me was really interesting because as you say, Mark, we'd set up, you know, we thought one thing we were going to get from the season, we're going to be really defensively sound. And I remember doing some prep for the podcast for the Ipswich game and watching it back. And I remember like freezing it and doing a screen and putting it on Twitter, um, which is always a bit unfair in some ways. But when we conceded (laughs) one of the goals, there was like, everyone was out of position. There was like, I think one player, like covering like the entire center of the whole pitch. You had a wing backs out of position and obviously this was a, a, an issue with Ryan Giles playing left wing back. Uh, everyone was all, all over shop. Um, So in terms of, yeah, we were a defensive team, but even in the first few games, we didn't really have a lot of confidence that we were not going to concede, which is a bit concerning, really. It made me interested. What Mark said
2: is like, you know, first game of the season, it was cards on the table. We were playing three centre-halves, wing-backs and a solid midfield and trying to nick a goal. I was surprised that was the only tactic we came to the table with. We didn't really seem to have any sort of plan B. And I can remember as those games went on, people were just sort of looking around thinking, well, when it's not working... We have absolutely no way of changing this. Uh, And it wasn't until much later on in the season that we seemed to develop a different approach. Uh, Through necessity, I think, more than anything,
1: And one of the frustrations with that was when we were losing games or we were drawing games frustratingly, and we didn't veer away from that tactic early Mm. in the season. I remember that being a big frustration that we had on the podcast, really, of saying, "Why won't you, you know, throw a man up front or dispose of one of the centre backs?" And he would do it, but he'd do it in like the 90th minute when it wouldn't make much difference, really. Mm. But yeah, I agree with with Ollie there. It switched out as a really sort of disjointed performance, and and was a really bad day. Obviously, the sending off really didn't help after that. And uh, I remember Mike leaving that game early, so I'll just put that one out there. (laughs) Yeah, 20 minutes.
2: 20 minutes early, I was in the pub around the corner. Yeah, but
1: it's it wasn't the worst defensive display of that run Ollie because we have got to mention the, the loss at home to Rotherham in the um, in the league cup which was the end of one of Southcast's most mentioned players Luke Waterfall where I think we were 2-0 down after about three minutes and then it went three pretty quickly and one of the goals was comically him trying to clear it and clattering into someone and going off with a, an injury and we actually got better after that but um, yeah I suppose we should just have a you know, moment of silence for Waterfall leaving us but um, yes I I think that was that was pretty awful Just
0: a link to <laughs> last season actually and something that has just kind of just been forgotten by town fans is remember Sam Ricketts how much abuse he got for the marks for getting rid of Matt Sadler mm, yes, has anyone yes. seen that been mentioned this season I think when you saw yeah. Aaron Pierre you saw Ebanks um, you saw um, Williams um, and obviously Beckles for me that Matt Sadler kind of debate went away quite quickly mm. it just disappeared yeah. um, so I guess yeah we're going to definitely criticise Sam Ricketts for offensive play and offensive recruitment I think in terms of just signing central defenders, he's um, probably one of his highlights of the season. In terms um, of the, um, the <laughs> pitulations as well, I think
3: when you are solid 90% of the time, but you're constantly trying to nick a goal, I think you see this with a lot of defensive-minded teams. When it starts to go wrong, it kind of goes completely wrong uh, because there's an awful lot of pressure on that back four or back five or whatever you've got in there. And when... That pressure makes them creak and crack. There tends to be a a bit of a floodgates opening type scenario. But I think in the early part of the season, nine times out of ten, you looked at that defensive unit and thought, there's a platform on which to build here. But they never really got beyond the platform.
1: Yeah, mm, I think that's fair, Mark. It, it, definitely defensively, and as we go through, you know, we'll talk about lots and lots of clean sheets and the way that Max O'Leary performed. You could, you know, the, the defensive unit did hold their end of the bargain up as we go through the season and the games. But definitely going forward, it was the definite issue, I suppose. And and I think, you know, t- to me, the other game that stands out from that period, which was where Michael was talking about Plan B, was Accrington away, and and it stands out to me during these open, these opening spells where. It was really the only time that Ricketts looked to do something different. And obviously we went we went behind there, we were pretty poor. I think the, the Steve Morrison thing came to a head for me during that game where he was he was pretty abject and and got subbed off. And suddenly Ricketts, from nowhere put two quick strikers on, obviously put Fay up with a dough. We looked really good and when we ripped through Atkington in the last few minutes and won three, two. So, you know, it, it was almost like to me it felt then we didn't do that for months afterwards mm. and it, it felt like there was something more there, but we just weren't kinda of, he didn't really have the, the faith to do it more often, I suppose,
3: Mike. That was Accrington more than Town, though. I A little bit, they yeah. Also conceded. I mean, Udo's winner was just an 80-yard punch. Oof. And they've just, they've just missed it. It was, it was one of those where Town had played far better and lost mm-hmm. earlier on in the season. I, I would have I would object to say Morrison
1: was definitely not getting onto that hoof that hoof long. He <laughs> wouldn't have had the he wouldn't have had the pace to get onto that. But I know, I know what you mean, Mark. Yeah, to, to be fair. And um and, and I suppose yeah, we ended that, that little period Ollie, with two losses. Um and we were down, you know, already twelfth, which was supposed to have been all right for us at that point in time. It wasn't the most and I think we, people were starting to say this is not the most entertaining football, but yeah, twelfth at the end of um End of uh, August and going into September, and then yeah, we, we moved into sort of a different phase then, Ollie, with a, a bit more recruitment and a, and a slight change to the squad, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I, for me, a I, I kind of a, a kind of a bit of a marker in, the, in this part of the season for me was Wimbledon away, and um, where we saw Cummings come in and Lang come in. So both of those signed on the 2nd of September, and yep. for me, they were much needed recruitment. Yeah, you could be critical of the manager and say we should have signed them earlier, but I guess you know strikers are hard to get hold of. Uh, and it took a while to get um, obviously transfer window still open at this point Uh, we managed to sign lang and cummings Uh, so yeah mike are you quite pleased to see two strikers come in through the door um again my wider football knowledge being poor never
2: heard of either of them but i heard good (laughs) things about cummings and then i I heard he was a bit of a nutcase so i thought at least we'd have something to laugh at if nothing else (laughs) um but any any striker coming in at that point was um was music to my ears to be honest and it's sort of, This whole conversation has reminded me about the fact that we sold Ockhambeira this season, so you we weren't scoring any goals. <laughs> and I'm still fuming about that, even though I'd forgotten about it. you know, wound me up again. Um, but yeah, them guys coming in, any bit, bit of fresh blood up there to replace at least Cummins,
0: was, um, yeah, I was excited to see him. Cool. Yeah, so yeah, these games were um, Wimbledon away, Rotherham away. Um, we've got two draws there, a one-all and a nil-nil. Then we had um, another crazy game. Um, south end at home where we scored four goals four of 21 home goals so if you missed this one <laughs> and you missed you missed a, you missed up i did miss that game oh uh, well interesting I actually i'm gonna i've got a, a, some fascinating stats in this podcast so as a season ticket holder if you brought the season ticket for 315 pounds you paid to see uh, for Shrewsbury town 15 pound per salop goal <laughs> if you miss the south end game, that goal per game rate, um, cost goes up to £18.50 a goal. Really shafted. <laughs> we scored less than a goal a game, um, which was um, the 22nd worst in the division. Um, but mm. yeah, it's, um, I'll come to the away costs per ticket later because they're even more fascinating. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> we've signed some strikers, um, Mark, but yeah, we still didn't score a lot of goals. No, and one thing I will give some credit... Sam Ricketts
3: credit for here is that he's seen that Steve Morrison probably isn't going to do it. And quite early, he's brought in more. Mm -hmm. Um, And these two players have clearly got quality. Neither are the the big centre forward who's going to lead the line when there's a massive gap between themselves and the rest of the team. And while I think Town had a decent strike force on paper, I think Lang's a good player. Cummings can clearly finish Udo did okay in in fits and starts Okanabiri was around they had players who can score goals at the level they just never linked those front two or front three or however he was playing with the rest of the team and they couldn't get the ball up to those players they couldn't Mm. play through the pitch they couldn't go long they never got the right quality in behind for them to for them to chase and I think you could have had pretty much anyone you wanted playing up front for town and they would have found chances hard to come by. And, and in the end, I think they ended up with a, a really good back five, a decent set of strikers, but the balance in the team was just never something they got right.
1: No, no, I think that's fair. And I think this period as well, as well as that, you you looked at how they were trying to link those players up, like you described Mark, and it was starting to become fairly apparent to me during this period that we were lacking that creative spark in midfield, maybe the more attacking midfielder as well to to link up to them. And we wouldn't really resolve that until we got to maybe Connor McElhaney um, quite a long way through the season. But yeah, I mean, there were some shocking games. In this in this period as well for me, Fleetwood at home where we lost was really poor. It um, was last time Giles started at left wing back. Um Obviously played on the wing after that, didn't he? For quite a while, but we were really really poor in that second. I remember being pretty. Pretty livid about that one, to be honest with you. And um, that one stood out as a home game as well. And it, and it felt like a lot of the time during this period as well. I think if you can look at the results, you know, we've got um, wins at Tranmere. Um, we had a slightly more encouraging performance at Wimbledon and Rotherham, in my opinion. They, they were a bit gritty and there was something to take away from there. But you were getting your poor results like Fleetwood at home and later on Gillingham at home. It was those poor results in front of the home crowd that were also being a little bit of a concern for me, Mike, in terms of those home fans where you've got the majority of fans were seeing probably the worst performances in this period
2: up to October for me yeah I um after the Portsmouth game at home on the first game of the season we won and we scored it was it was about eight games that I attended I went to cut away games <laughs> until I scored another goal and it was an, until the Sundon home game about one well, month later that I actually saw another win and that was mm-hmm. only another one to win and yeah, like I don't know if I had bad luck or if it is reflective of the season. The amount of goals and the quality of entertainment and just the number of wins I saw was dreadful. I can remember going to the match and just saying, "I don't remember the last time I enjoyed going." Even because it was just that <laughs> bad at home. And if you didn't go away and catch those good away performances, you were, you were you're were on a high into nothing basically.
1: Yeah, and, and Ollie, just we talked about it in the pod, but particularly those last two games of this period, right at the end of October. Lincoln away and Gillingham at home were two really really yeah. poor games and for me looking back they were kind of bellwethers as to where this season led and how we particularly talked about on the podcast but lots of fans talked about it being dull you know that was a word that was probably synonymous with this season and I think those two games um, you know really kind of hit home the tactic we were playing like Mark talked about before how kind of dull that was to watch um, and how toothless we were particularly at Lincoln away which I remember being
0: absolutely Awful. Yeah, um, thinking Away in was way. A g- interesting. Yeah, I was gonna say we were watching that on iFollow, weren't we? And <laughs> um, I and I remember drinking quite a bit through that game, um, to try and keep entertained. <laughs> and not only that, Twitter was hilarious because we yeah. were so bad that town fans were like joking how bad it was. It was mm-hmm. we're getting to this kind of period. Um so yeah, it was this was in October. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's fair to say the kind of um, boredom factor was starting to come quite a hot topic among Town fans. Um, yeah, not many goals, uh, and yeah, we didn't really look like what we had worked on in pre-season was kind of coming um, to fruition. Uh, but I don't know out of these these games, um, any other kind of highlights to kind of draw out? It was it was hard going. Uh, the one game that stood out for me during this period was away at Tranmere as well, where
1: we did actually get a win, and it, and it looks good on the record now. When we're looking back, but you've got to remember they went down to ten men, and we made very heavy weather getting yeah. over the line against Tranmere. And even then, you came away thinking, "God, we needed that win and
0: stuff." But it felt we did hit the post, bit. I think. Yeah, Ollie Norbert hit the post or something like that. But yeah, again, it was, um, it was heavy. yeah, not a lot of chances. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know.
1: I would ask Mike and Mark if any of these other games stood out to them, but <laughs> they might they might be struggling here.
0: Go yeah, on, oh, yeah. Mike.
2: <laughs> but it's, it's funny what you say about the, the, the attritional nature of the win you know the the, the win at home against South End 4-3 that wasn't made very easy the the win away at Tranmere 1-0 wasn't made very easy the next win at home at Sunderland was incredibly attritional it wasn't an easy win so even the games we were winning you came away and you But mm-hmm. I haven't even enjoyed getting three points there because I haven't been able to we haven't ever felt like we were really in control of any game we were doing well in never mind the ones we were doing poorly. in oh, I, I
1: don't know Mark you,
3: you can't, I don't know if you agree with that or not Mark you know in terms of, in terms of yeah. that uh, I think it's Every game is quite precarious, even the games that they win, because you're never going to win by more than more than the odd goal. I think it. We spoke last year when we did this last year about Sam Ricketts being sort of naturally quite cautious. I think in in outlook, and I think his team selections, his his setup, and his in his substitutions were all really cautious in the first half of the season. And the plan was clearly nick a goal, nick a win, get yourself competitive, with the idea of I don't know. Mid-table, somewhere, somewhere mm. close to the playoffs, being decent at the turn of the year. Um, but the problem is, I think he struggled to take a portion of the fan base with him because it was so tough to watch. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was really tough to watch. You know, I think if if it turned out Sam Ricketts was born somewhere in northern Italy, it, he comes from that school—the <laughs> the Johnny Brera, the perfect <laughs> game finishes nil-nil. That sort of that sort of school of thought. He's, he's clearly somebody who, who has and had a plan, but I think there was a naivety to it in that you have to take a crowd with you on a journey and make them feel something and give them a reason to get behind you. And I just, I don't think there was ever that. I think even going to the home games, the atmosphere felt a bit colder. It was a mm. bit more hostile to, to him and, and the team because people were bored. Yeah, yeah. I, in, in terms of
1: that that point he's made, I had a stat to bring out later. Like you've got a few stats, but the average attendance of season ended up being, you know, on an average game. Obviously, we finished early, but on the average, you can still work that out. It ended up being um, almost about 400 fans down from last season. So, you know, is it having was it having an effect on the crowd? I suppose Ollie, in terms of that boredom factor and, and who was coming through the gates every week. Yeah,
0: it's, I think it's a good point. Going into the season, there was a good. Not a good, Like I don't know, I obviously don't know the numbers, but there was a portion of town fans who were not convinced about Sam Ricketts. Mm-hmm. From the football that he did, um comparing him to Paul Hurst, he obviously came in and just won load of points, got loads of goals, had some kind of drive behind it. And yeah, we didn't go into the season, Um, you know, if this was a, if we were doing, you know, like a vote, it would have been very 50-50 in terms of happiness. And yeah, he never really, I don't feel in this period, it's the season. Um, really got fans to kind of join him. And I think that's a really good point. Uh, you make there, mark that, you know, there wasn't a lot of people really highly defending him. Now we go into the next period, and we actually remarkably start picking up some results. Great, and and um, yeah, league one commentators even say that, um, you know, we might even be a, play, a promotion push. Never did quite believe that, um, but it was interesting. Those guys who are kind of, you know follow league one did that. So what did we see? So, We had that super attritional win at home to Sunderland, 1-0. We lost away to Wickham, um, which is an interesting game for me because I got so much abuse for doing some analysis (laughs) on how little passes they did and um, and how they played. Um, I got a lot of abuse for that game, but we lost there. Um, And then, yeah, we beat Peterborough at home, um, 1-0, which is always good fun. Then Then we had the Cups, and the Cups, I think, helped Sam Ricketts enormously because in the Cups, we allowed... He got us some wins. So when we've got we've done this agenda here and we've put um wins with green, we've got a lot of wins um in this period from Sunderland up to Blackpool away. Um but quite a lot of those wins are in the cups. Mm-hmm. So we picked up wins in the in, but obviously we weren't picking up points. So we had Bradford where we drew in the in the FA Cup, then we had Macclesfield and the EFL Trophy where we won, then we beat the the replay against um Bradford. Then we beat Mansfield at home. Then we lost to Bristol Rovers at home. Drew with Oxford. And then we had probably the highlight of the season, I think, for me, is the Coventry um, game at home uh, where Sean Worley won the winner. And then we had that very another attritional 1-0 win at Blackpool, which was felt like a really, really big win. Um, yeah. At that point in the season, you felt like you were starting to build something. Were we entertaining? No. Um, but it felt like at least we were starting to click. All the players are coming back. Um, and from injury, Norburn was back in the side, um, and we felt like we had a bit of momentum. Um, but for me, it was a bit of a false dawn. Obviously, with the high, with the benefit of hindsight. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Really. I think, like Mark was saying, trying to take the fans with you, these wins did, this was probably the bit where the fans kind of came with it the most in the season, if you want to look at it like that, because um, wins do breed a bit of confidence. And I think that Sunderland win clearly put a bit of confidence into the team. And um, if you look back, they've they obviously beat Cramere, beat Newcastle's B team, drew two games and beat um, Sunderland. It was five games unbeaten all of a sudden. And just that little boost really, I think, got them through this run up to Christmas. Um but yeah, i so say goal scoring was, was a little bit better during this period. I think it was the, the, the effect of Cummings and Lang settling in and time. But it just saw us through in a nice place, like you say, to the, um, to the Blackpool game where we were 11th and something like three or four points outside outside the playoffs. And that seemed a bit crazy, didn't it, to look at it that way, Mark? Where we were suddenly gone from worrying about all this boredom football to being on the edge of the clubs and people.
3: There was like a little tinge before Christmas of people starting to tiny get a little bit excited, even with their problems at the back of their mind. Yeah, and I think. Nobody's saying that in that Paul Hurst season it was champagne football. It was, it was still single goal wins, but the team showed a bit of character and they had that bond with the fans. I think you're absolutely right. That that Blackpool away game was the closest, I think, they ever got to forming that bond. And When I said a little bit earlier on about sort of the, the tactic, I think, being get to 11th, 12th within a good run of the playoffs at the turn of the year and then see what you want to do in January. I think, I think that's a, a position Sam Ricketts would have been delighted in whether you think that's you know ambitious enough or or not is another matter but i think as far as he was concerned mm. that's what they they wanted to do but again i think everything was so precarious and, and and the football was so tough to watch that he needed a good run of wins to sort of justify it and they'd they'd start to get on a run and then it'd end and then the complaints had come it never really got to four, five, six, seven games unbeaten where people would really get on board and almost make the fact that town were dull, make the fact that they <laughs> were horrible to play against, make the fact that they were, you know, every, the team, every other team thought, oh God, I don't want to go and watch them. Make that a thing, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. A bit of a a sort of us against the world thing. They never really got to that. And And they never managed to shake the fact that it felt like a coaching staff had come in and said to the supporters, this is all we're good for. (laughs) I I think it's it's right. I totally agree with that, Mark. And
1: and one of the things I think in terms of where we were saying about players going with it, Mike, is that there was probably during this period, and all the way Christmas, because of the clean sheet record and how we've been doing defensively, a fair bit of pride in the defensive unit. You know, we might have had our concerns elsewhere, but it's probably a good point to reflect on on the way the defence did in general across the season, and, and particularly during this one, where I think I count it now, there's, there's six or seven clean sheets in this period, which probably you know gave us the, the platform to build on for some of those wins. Yeah, and,
2: and the defensive, and I think the defence were always there or thereabouts. I don't think we were ever really... Poor at defending the ball during the course of most of the season. And it's in this period you notice that the midfield start to actually contribute a little bit because a lot of the goals during this period Edwards, Walker, Thompson, Lawrence scored quite a few in this period, Norburn scored they were the ones that were producing the actual game changing moments in terms of goals. Mm-hmm. Um, we were still struggling to score, to score with strikers, and I think that's, that's only ever going to be a temporary thing with your midfielders firing in goals every week. You can't rely on that long term. And, and again, cup victories are only sticking plasters. As soon as you go out of that competition, People forget those results and they just focus on the league form again. So it, it's like you're saying this was a very temporary lift in fortunes for Ricketts. They him a bit of breathing space, but as soon as we went out of the FA Cup, as soon as we went out of the uh, EFL Trophy, whoever it was, then the attention turns back to the league form. And actually, you look and it's not that good when you take those cup victories out.
1: And only there were still the odd, you know, still those odd. Dole games being thrown in there, you know, we look at this run, the Oxford away game was terrible, I remember watching that. Both the Bradford Cup games were sl- slightly non-events, and know we went on to win them in the end, and obviously the, the Wickham game you mentioned. So, you know, there were still those, those every other week you could kind of point one way or the other depending on what side of the fence you sat on, I suppose, Ollie.
0: So, yeah, we joined a BBC Shropshire special, um, and I remember talking about the FA Cup being a, a distraction. So not only was Mark Elliott taking the piss out of me for uh, for some mathematical work, Um, but yeah, I was saying the FA Cup was going to be a distraction. Um, And for me, yeah, it just felt like we were using a lot of energy in the FA Cup. Um, And if if wins are tokens and you only have so many, we were burning them very fast in this FA Cup run.
1: that's hmm. just paid off in the end though. Well, maybe not as financially as it could have done, <laughs> I suppose, where we got to. But um, I think at that point in time, yeah, yeah, we've obviously always had this discussion on the podcast about the FA Cup being a bit of a distraction in certain seasons. Um, But uh, in this circumstance, with, with the lack of wins we had, it felt like a little bit of a nice light relief this season for me in some respects. So it wasn't quite as, as frustrating. But um, you were just telling us a story, Mark, off offline before we started about Bradford away in the FA Cup and, and you had some problems, didn't you?
3: Oh yeah, well, two things. <laughs> One, Ollie, it wasn't your maths for a start. Don't take credit for that. Um, But yeah, Bradford, the only time I've ever missed the start of my own show um, due to not being able to get into a ground. The security at Valley Parade, I would say slightly overzealous. Um, Somebody didn't book us some tickets. That person will remain nameless. um, And we couldn't get in. We couldn't park. And then um, when we did find a parking space, it was on an old TA base. And they said this closes at 11 and doesn't reopen until Saturday. So I was... Delighted that it didn't
1: go all the way to penalties or whatever. Yeah, Dave Edwards saved us that, that night, didn't he? Yeah. So I got to that game there as well, but it was worth it in the end for that that, that result because it was a very tricky place, kind of cold night, and it? it felt like a quite a good win that one. But yeah, I mean, kind coming to the end of now. So it was just pre-Christmas, you know. We're, we're full of some better spirits, I think, on the podcast only. We were in slightly better spirits with us being a bit higher up the league, eleventh, you know, playoffs in sight. A good away win at Blackpool. We sat by each other at Blackpool, remember I mean, we had a really good day out there. And Santos just behind us, swearing his head off at the referee, which was hilarious. Um, um, but we move on to part five then, Ollie, of the, of the season, really. And this is where, you know, you, you kind of term that, that phrase Ricketts
0: ball. Yeah, Ricketts ball was first um, tweeted on the 8th of January. <laughs> uh, and yeah, um, it, this was a run of, I think it's fair to say, pretty dire results. Um, January transfer window, um, we saw Vela come in and um, Harry, Harry Burgoyne came in. And then so we had some lone players, Hart, Ramsey and McElhaney came in. Very sad to see Faye lose. Um, what game was it Mark I'm sure I remember What game was it Where Faye came on In extra time um, Against a 10 man team Was it Lincoln away And it was a 10 man mm. side And he came on In extra time um, And for me Yeah That, that was a That was yes, a Four well, moment
1: Yeah You definitely right when you say This was the Poor result
0: <laughs> Section of the season only. You know The start of
1: Probably the worst run We've had under Ricketts In my opinion We had a terrible one Last season, Didn't we For that, that 10 games Without a win But Man alive. I suppose this, this talk of the signings, because obviously, I just said, we were slightly positive going after Christmas and thinking, will these signings be the thing to push us on really to that next stage? And what did we need? And I, for me, you're looking back, none of the signings are really exactly what we needed. Matt stands out as the one player we did need, and he ended up being good. But I don't know what you thought, Mike, of, of the rest of them, really, and, and their contribution to the rest of the season, as short as it was. And Vela never really got going, did he? He, had
2: a, he, was, he was showing a slight bit of form before the, the season got knocked on the edge. Uh, Burgoyne hasn't really had a look in. I think he's one for next season. Mm-hmm. Um, Hart, did, did he even play? Did he come on as a sub once? He played so a couple just, of
0: games, but yeah, he was, was awful. awful. I don't remember him
2: being very good. <laughs> um, Ramsey, again, he didn't really play much. And mm-hmm. McElhaney, I mean, people said he was decent. I didn't really see a huge amount of him. Um, I don't think you can say any of them were any good, frankly. Uh, so no. we brought in five that were no good and we have got rid of Faye who was an excellent striker top scorer last season so I think that's a bad window by anyone's estimation The,
3: the Faye deal
1: does boggle a little bit I suppose to, to fans uh, Mark but as a, as a sort of uh, someone in the press who looks at these deals maybe a more rationality than us three I suppose what did you make of Faye leaving the timing
3: of it and the nature of the deal and, and everything I suppose uh, Wasn't playing wanted to go manager I don't think rated him particularly highly um, mm-hmm. contract up got some money for him Deal work for everyone, I think. Um, there was a game before the January window, and they went to Bolton and battered them, but battered them without any quality, if that makes sense. Uh, so yeah. pressure, 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 but ball in, ball in, ball in, and and they played and played and played, and they drew one all against ten men, I think, if I remember right. Yeah, was. Awesome. Um, and at that that morning, I think they were they were still around the the playoffs. I think they'd already lost to Wickham, but you know they were hovering around. And from there, it seemed to kind of, the wheels sort of fell off. Mm. And the January window, which, as I said uh, a few minutes ago, you kind of thought, okay, if if they're in and around a position to compete to get close to the top six at the end of the season, they might have a go in January. They lost Giles, obviously, um, and were forced to bring in Hart, who was nowhere near fit. They brought Vela in, who was injured, was never going to play. Um, until the right at the back end of the season, which, frankly, we never got to. Um, and McElhenney, again, looked decent in, in a couple of appearances, but uh, pretty much was tasked solely with pepping up an attack, which mm. yeah. was misfiring quite badly, which was a, a bit of a big ask of him. And, and from that probably first week in, in January, second week in January, it all just sort of fell apart a bit and then it was only the FA Cup that, that Tarrion yeah, had really yeah Lang
1: getting injured didn't help either did it Ollie? you know he'd been no. decent enough during that good run we just talked about which didn't last too long and he got injured unsettled at the front line the way they were playing Cummings couldn't do it all himself but Doe was still just finding his feet really didn't kick on until we had that good run towards the end of the season, I suppose. And, and yeah, I think it, the wheels did certainly come off early. And for me, I'll just come come back in a minute, but this is where I lost my mind with the season. Because we started having games where we were having zero shots on target during the game, which is a bit unforgivable for me. We went, I think it was at Doncaster, wasn't it? Yeah, we are at Doncaster, lost 2-0, didn't have a shot on target in the whole game. And it was just an abject performance. And we followed that up then with a home game against Lincoln, the next game, where we were also abject. Only had one shot on target in a home game, and that was for me, and I remember going back and looking at our notes, sorry, but that was where we had a little bit of anti-rickets chanting in the stadium again because of the concerns that we'd had before. So, you know, there was still that bubbling issue underneath and it didn't take more than a couple of dull games and some poor results to maybe bring it back a little bit.
0: I think, yeah, it just shows, to sh- you know, we had those wins um, leading up to January. Um, but to mm. show you how quickly people forgot about those. And yeah, January was... A dark month um, from terms of football, <laughs> um, goal chances. Yeah, I remember that was the thing that we were talking about. And, and it's interesting, I'm, sh- I'm sure Mark um, is probably yeah uh, with ears were burning when um, they were talking. Potentially, the club were talking about the media because I got to the point here where I got the sense that players were shooting, so the stats for shots would go up. Mm. <laughs> and the manager was mentioning shots per game in his post match. Um, and yeah, it was a very very toxic um, period. As you say, when the fans it were was. chanting. Fans were bored. Um, you do go for football for entertainment, um, and we were getting no entertainment and no wins. Um, and it was a very, yeah, as you said, chanting against the manager um, is never a good thing, especially as Shrewsbury Town's fans are so conservative when it comes to that kind of those kind of games. I remember you grumbling quite a lot during this period at the home games, Mike. You know, and it was it was a it was
1: a tough watch at, at those periods of time. But yeah, some some of those games, you know, you look at them and they they were just very attritional, very hard to watch at yeah. times, weren't they? I, I, it, it, sort of thinking back now that was when it became apparent
2: to me that Sam Ricketts had one one plan for every match stay in it up to 60 minutes make a sub try and score a goal that was it It was like defend until nil nil until 60 minutes maybe chuck on another striker or something in roughly the same formation get some fresh legs on try and bomb the ball forward a bit more and try and nick a goal and it was it seemed so basic it seemed so unthought out it didn't seem very nuanced um and in a time when you're not scoring any goals, the guy's just just sold your best striker, who was your top goal scorer of the previous season. Name me another club that's ever done that. You know, what, what a strange decision to make. And then some of the stuff he was coming out in the press about the way he was defending some of the performances, you know, all he's, all he's mentioned, mm, a, true. the shot stats was, seemed a little bit clutching at straws. Um, and I think you can tell why it went a bit toxic, because the people were kind of losing faith in, in the plan, really, you know, the limited
1: plan that there was, I think. It wasn't hard to pick holes in it, was it, Mark, at that no, point no. in time, I suppose. And, and, you know, some of those results. But just if we look at some of the positives of January, I suppose the cup run did bring some interest and a little bit of fun, I suppose. And the Bristol City games were, were both interesting games. The way performance was very creditable. The home win was great because it was a you know, late winner and that, that euphoria of knowing we were going to play Liverpool. The home Liverpool game obviously brought with it, you know, memories that will last for a long time. We'll, we'll talk about the away game in a minute. But, you know, those three games there, Mark, probably maybe... To be honest with you, in terms of the whole season,
3: probably the three standout games in terms of what we watched, really. Yeah, just a a quick point on uh, what you're talking about there, Mike. I think it was Bolton where they were playing 10 men and they still had the three centre halves and a holding midfield. And it was stuff like that where you just thought, this is tough to defend. (laughs) um, You know, and. Yeah, he was coming under increasing pressure to to let the shackles off because it looked, frankly, it looked like they had the players who, if they were allowed to go and play, they were mm. missing a Greg Docherty, a 10 and link player. But they looked like they had players who, if allowed to go and play, could cause teams problems. And the, I think the issue you get, is a bit like what I was saying earlier about if you put a defence under pressure week after week after week after week after week, it starts to crack no matter how good it is. Yeah. If you have strikers who are failing to score week after week after week after week and midfielders who are not in a rhythm of of playing in a certain way, they're used to standing 10 yards away from the back three and and (laughs) building a wall, then that becomes a mindset and confidence in attack falls and, and it all kind of starts to crumble. It was almost like that he'd created a team perfect for international football and cup football. Yeah. In that they weren't going to lose games. This was a team, and I, I use the Italy analogy, this was an Italian World Cup winning team. <laughs> In that they'd, they'd mug their way through, you know, and, and gradually growing confidence and momentum. But over a league season, it goes the other way. Because yeah. you, you gradually get fi- found out if you can't score goals. And I think by the time those big cup games, Bristol City, Liverpool came, I think he really needed good results in those, mm. um, and he got them. And I think that that kind of lifted a lot of the clouds, purely because going to Anfield, massive distraction. Um, Bristol City away was was a, a great day, and, um, yeah. and so was so was Liverpool at home. And right up until kickoff, I quite enjoyed Liverpool as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that run, Ollie. You know, we we look at it, and obviously it was a poor game against uh, Lincoln in the league, and then obviously you know beat Bristol City, um, drew with Fleetwood, and then drew with Liverpool two two. So yeah, a little bit of pressure relief there with those four games, and and then what happened after it wasn't so great. But I don't know your reflections of the cup, Ollie. I suppose.
0: Yeah, Bristol Road, Bristol, Bristol Bristol City um, was a good go to new ground. Decent performance. Um, Goss's goal was really good. Still haven't got over there. Um, really cheap plastic four, which broke. So that was a bit of a sore point for me. Um, and then, yeah, at home, Pierre's goal was one of the highlights of the season. Um, Great. At home. And then the the Liverpool game, um, up to the 90 minutes until, until Klopp opened his mouth. Was a mm. really really special evening. I um wh- I remember clearly um, when Cummings put the ball in the back of the net. i um, shouting, he's effing done it. He's effing <laughs> done it. As everyone was jumping around, going mental. Um, right. And it was a really really nice moment. Yeah, you got in the car and then Jurgen Klopp just like just basically popped the balloon. And it wasn't mm. yeah, it wasn't just a balloon. It was a balloon filled with I don't know some very smelly gas because it stunk the place out. It was annoying, wasn't it, Mike, to be fair, the whole the whole thing
1: that happened after that. And obviously the FA have dismissed a whole complaint about them playing a weakened team in the next, in the next round as well. That's so, incredible,
0: by the way. It it is. Unbelievable. That's a can of it sets there a precedent, there, isn't doesn't it? it? Yeah. It sets a precedent. If you're a lawyer, that sets a precedent um, yeah. for any time um, the FA um, try to... Um, yes, there is that mitigation of the um, winter break, but still, any lawyer's gonna smile if um, you know if you're a Burnley or you know a, an unfancied mm-hmm. team, um, and you're playing against someone and you don't play your best team, um, mm-hmm. and it's on TV or something. Yeah, that that that, that um, rule for the FA Cup has gone. We could do a long podcast on just that one
1: decision, I think, because <laughs> it is entirely infuriating. And as I say, after that 2-2 draw, you know, the, the wheels came off again straight away, pretty much, because we went to Gillingham um, and, and lost, and it was probably up there with the worst performances of the season, but mainly because we were trying to rest players, I think, for, the, for the, the ball away game, and he kind of picked the names out of a hat. There were six changes. Sample um, Sam Hart played, didn't he, and was absolutely dreadful, didn't know what he was doing, and, and it was just desperate and just... Again, just off the little high, like Mark was saying, a little good bit, and then it just went off again. And Gillingham led into the Liverpool away game, which I have no fondness for whatsoever. Right? I, I mark it down as one of my top ten worst experiences going away with Shoesby Town. The travel delay oh, delayed everybody. Yeah, the, the the seating arrangements where you had no leg room as a 6-2 man. That was awful. Um, we, they played their kids. The whole game was ruined. VAR, let's have that into the mix. And the whole situation, Wally's non-goal. And then the OG to to wrap it all up. I mean, it, it couldn't have gone worse, could it, Mike? And you you missed that. You were sick, weren't you? You you count that could, as quite a lucky. A it lucky couldn't experience. have gone better for me, to be
2: honest. <laughs> I, with I missed life. it as well.
0: I had to go I to a going. work thing, and I was absolutely yeah. gutted. But then, yeah, I was drinking free food. Sorry, drinking free food, drinking free beer, and eating really nice Italian food in London. You missed nothing. Really glad, <laughs> yeah, because I was Town fans. Yeah, there's been a lot of social media stuff, and yeah, there's been a lot of frustration this season. Um, and this was yeah a peak peak of town frustration. Um, did you go to the away game, Mark?
1: So we leave our end of season review, uh, part one of the review there, um, as we're about to launch into what is a series of raids about the uh, away performance at Liverpool and the whole experience, as I just started to highlight there, and um, yeah, move on then to uh, what was a very poor run um, before a couple of decent results and the cancellation of the season. So thanks very much for listening to part one, and we shall be back with part two um, in the next couple of days, no doubt, and uh, yeah, uh, we shall be back then. Cheers.